Welcome to Max Storm Business Coaching for the Health and Fitness Professional Podcast, where you will hear and learn tips, tricks, and marketing secrets that will allow you to build your business from ordinary to extraordinary. Visit us at maxstormcoaching.com. Now, here's your host. Hello, this is Ashley Mazurik here at MaxStormCoaching.com. Today, I want to talk about something that um, recently happened, and I want to give this piece of information because part of part of this experience that I had, I want to just reach out and um, relay it because it was, first of all, it was positive, and I would love for everyone to have positive experiences like this, not to say that I haven't had negative experiences, but it's always nice to have a positive experience. And <clears throat> this particular experience came about um, sometime a couple weeks ago when I had was talking to a mother about their particular daughter, who is the same age as my own daughter. And she had said that her daughter was having neck pain. And she had just gone to the doctor and the doctor had said she had scoliosis, which raises a big flag to me because there are a lot of kids out there that are being uh, given this um, definition of scoliosis. And it's important that for me that uh, people that are diagnosed with this this particular diagnosis of scoliosis have more information about it. And I've been working with scoliosis for about 18 years. Um, I've been mainly in holistic health, holistic health. What does that mean? Integrative health for 18 years, uh, studying it consistently, obviously because I teach it, but more importantly, because it's about getting to the root cause of issues out there. And for me, being in this this practice of physical, mental, emotional, spiritual health has made a huge impact on myself, first and foremost. Obviously, you, the journey is for you to go through uh, to ultimately help other people go through that same journey. Because if, you, if you're looking at your clients with a bit of mindfulness, you see that your clients mirror you. And hopefully, you get clients that have mirrored you to the point where you have have conquered those issues. Therefore, you can use your experience slash wisdom to help them. And so Max Storm Coaching is about, yes, business coaching, but it's also about helping the professionals be better. Professionals be better so that your practice gets better, so that your referrals get better, so that you make more money. And and it's not all about the money. It's all about the satisfaction. My belief is, and maybe I'm wrong, but my belief is most of the people that are in this industry, at least from the feedback from students, is they all merely want to just help people. And that's a huge question. Like, okay, you know, and I'll say to students, help people. Shit, we all want to help people. But what do you mean by help people? And we need to get more specific because the specificity helps you with your focus. And I remember years and years ago, back when I started in this industry and I started working in recreational, I had my, I was in getting my college degree and I was working in recreational teaching group, group aerobics. Um, I was working 
and the hospital setting. I was getting my degree and working corporate as a practicum slash went into internship with corporate setting to ultimately figure out what do I want to do. Obviously, hospital was not my route. Uh, I've honestly felt sick to my stomach being around so many sick people. And that, you know, proved to me today that I'm just a really sensitive human being. And so being around sickness (laughs) made me feel sick. So I ended up choosing corporate. And so, but having the exposure to all the different types of fitness helped me really get closure as to what I really wanted to do. And being in corporate fitness for four and a half years and rising to about as high as I could go in corporate fitness led me to the introduction of personal training because at the time as a regional director, they wanted me to install a personal training program. Now, this was a long time ago, back when personal training was just getting started. And yes, that is to age me and to identify, yes, I am, I'm aged. I I consider myself to have wisdom, lots of experience, not old, just wise. And I have learned a ton of things. And if any of you are like me, you tend to learn the hard way. And some of us just have to learn the hard way. But the case in point is when I was diving into the aspect of working in gyms, local recreational gyms, uh, along with corporate, along with um, working and teaching in different avenues, I one of the things in the personal training industry that they said is you have to find your niche. What is your niche? And I was like, niche? I want to do it all. I want to do everything. And so that was really important. And I didn't really find out my niche for a very long time because niche to me, I didn't feel like I had enough experience. And that's really important that you get a hold of. And it wasn't until I actually left corporate and opened a gym and serviced wellness, which was lots of different avenues to health and being better, um, that I realized that I really wanted to help people with acute and chronic pain. And so 18 years ago, I dove into education that led to medical rehab and, and dealing with people who had issues in their joints, who had acute and what we call it's not really chronic, it's persistent pain now. And so that was uh, important for me. And when you go through this industry, at least for me, I was sort of following the Joneses. I was getting every certification that that was out there and really walking away with not knowing what to do with all of that. And it wasn't until I stopped educating and educating and educating that I honed in on the aspect of the integration or holistic, depending on who you're dealing with. Those particular terms are really important to, as I had stated in uh, the elements of success and as I stated in introvert and extrovert, you have to really define the client and when you choose those different words that choose to, to motivate them. Uh, In other words, you also have to, when you meet a client, you have to, you have to, you have to listen, you have to really listen and you have to listen to what they're not saying and use what they're not saying and what they are saying to provide your pieces of information because once you've been in the industry for a while, you know a lot of stuff. And so you have to figure out what What pieces and tools of information do you have that are really going to allow this person to think that you are the one that can help them? And so 
that's really important. And so as I was talking to this mother about her uh, child, um, one of the things that I did is I had to choose words to identify with how I could potentially help her daughter. And first of all, knowing a lot about scoliosis, uh, first and foremost, let me just say that I have scoliosis. I had a functional scoliosis, but um, originally when I was back in what, elementary school, when they first defined this, they said that I did have a mild scoliosis. They never did anything about it and they usually don't. They say, oh, she'll eventually grow out of it um, or she'll eventually not grow out of it and ultimately be in pain, which is sort of what happened to me. So I uh, was a triathlete for 10 years, uh, very competitive, and obviously being in the industry of fitness, I worked out all the time. And so I was chronically in pain. It, and for me, it was like, well, I just pushed it aside as, yes, athletes, if you're an athlete, you're always going to be in pain and there's no such thing as not being in pain. But it wasn't till I addressed my scoliosis that I realized that I didn't have to be in pain and that there's a, there's a, there's a respect that you have to honor with your body and try to figure out the root cause of it. And that's really hard because there's not a lot of people out there that can, I, can identify root causes. Um, if I would have went to particular doctors or physical therapists and chiropractors, they probably wouldn't have given me the integrated approach and figured out what the root cause was. I say that from a tremendous amount of experience. I say that from working in a pain clinic for four and a half years and seeing all these people that have gone from doctor to doctor to doctor to therapist to, to physio to chiropractor and still not getting help. So for me, my heart bleeds when I hear somebody that has scoliosis because I know I can help them a, because I've had it. A, because I've conquered not be in pain because it was addressed the appropriate way. And that, and when I say that, there's the appropriate measure that you have to go through. And so I continue to ask this mother what she had done. And because that's a really important to know. And she said she'd been to doctors, she'd been to physical therapists, and she was going to chiropractors, and none of them have been able to help her. So what did that tell me? That told, told me that the people that they've been going to have a very myopic view of what's going on with this particular child and, and most adults out there with this type of issue. So I said to her, if you would like me to take a look at her, let me explain what could potentially going on. She has a scoliosis, so she probably um, has a torsion in her pelvis. If she's got chronic neck pain, there's something also going on with her neck. And if we respect the Lovett Brother reactor system, we know that the integration of both go hand in hand. And probably, I'm going to make an assumption, those particular physicians slash specialists weren't looking at the integration of it. And I asked them, where are they specifically working on her? And they said in her neck. And I said, well, are they addressing her pelvis? And she said, uh, no. And I said, she's like, she doesn't have back pain. And I was like, okay. But me knowing that there's an integration going on, in order for her neck to get better, they have to always address the lumbopelvic region. So I said, if you would like, after explaining this to you, have her come in. I'll take a look at her. 
Um, I have the experience to do mobilizations and correct things that are out of place. But the, the gist of being in pain is basically your body telling you that it's not sitting in its optimal instantaneous axis of rotations within its joint system. And there's probably some length tension going on um, within the musculoskeletal that is creating distortion in joints, which is saying, hey, we need help we need you to go to somebody to take care of this because at the end of the day, the body doesn't lie and the body cannot say to you, Hey, we're in a, we're in a distortional pattern right now. So we need you to go do some stretchers or whatever it is to get this back in place. It can't do that. It can only through the mechanoreceptors say we're in pain or we're overly tight, which is is our ability of saying, don't move, because if you move too much, you're going to potentially throw out some joint systems. So I had her come in, and um, I had obviously her mom is with her, and I had her, um, I had her stand up and let me take a look at what was going on. Now remember, her pain is in her neck. So for me, I immediately go to the lumbopelvic region. And so this is through the process of integration. I looked at her pelvis, and yes, she did have a torsion in her pelvis. So she had a pelvic flexion disorder. One side was more flexed than the other, which was leading a rotation within her L5, um, potentially L4 and 3-2, which was calling, causing a scoliosis. Okay, that scoliosis, if it's been there long enough, it's going to travel up the spine and it's going to affect the neck. So the question is, is how long has this been here? And that's a really important question that you have to identify through assessing. Assessing is really, really important. So for me, I'm like, okay, as I'm analyzing this, I need to know how long this has been here. And so I went further on to um, look at the pelvis to see if there was any other um, distortions. And there was another distortion in there, which was a, a, a obliquity within the pelvis. So that told me that it's been there for a little while. And so now I go up to the neck. Yes, she has cranial distortions. Yes, she had two subluxations in her atlas. And so I'm like, okay, so this is mirroring. And quite frankly, it was very textbook. It wasn't something that was mm, that created a conundrum for me because I pretty much understood why it was doing what it was doing. I still didn't know the root, which was my question as I began to continue to assess. Now, I didn't need to do a lot of assessing because I have my my sequence, I guess I could say, that leads me to the discovery of what's really going on and what order to tell me, first of all, if this has been there for a long time, and then secondly, continue to assess until I figure out how long it's been there. And so going through the process of addressing her breathing pattern, which is the most important aspect to creating stability. If you're not familiar with the diaphragm and the most innervated muscle in the body and the hierarchy of the diaphragm as it relates to the breath pattern is so important to creating stability in the body. So I assessed her breathing pattern. She did have an upper respiratory dysfunction. She, she, as we began to correct her breathing pattern, which we couldn't do in standing, obviously because it had been there for a while. So I put her in a supine position 
position. And then we started to correct the breathing pattern. She then went into an inverted breathing pattern, which is another form of dysfunction. So it took a couple minutes to get her on track to understand the correct breathing pattern, that she needs to be breathing diaphragmatic. And so I had to explain to her why breathing was so important. Because if you're not aware, and some of you guys are probably like, yeah, this is old hat for me. I already know this. I understand it. But let me share um, some pieces that I explained to the mother as the importance. Because let me just say that the reason I'm doing this podcast information is because I want to share with you the importance of educating. If you don't educate and you don't educate the information, then they're, they don't perceive the value. In other words, she wants her daughter to get out of pain. Obviously, the daughter wants to get out of pain. And the pain is quite persistent. Um, it's all the time. So I asked her when she wasn't in pain. The only time she's not in pain is when she lays down. Well, that is huge because that very much means to me that when your body has its stabilization taken off and it's not in a field of gravity, it goes back to equilibrium. It goes back to balance and it's in a happy state. So I said, what's really important most about um, your daughter maintaining stability and correction, because I'm going to correct her. I'm going to correct her lumbopelvic position. I'm going to correct her L5. I'm going to correct her atlas axis. I'm going to correct her cranium. But if she doesn't have the musculoskeletal strength and stability to hold it, she will then refacilitate back to an old pattern. And so it's really important that you understand the impetus to creating this correction and hold is the breath, believe it or not. And so what I'm saying here is if we look at our clients and we look at people as a whole, how many people have breathing issues? Well, if you've read uh, Gay Hen- Hendricks, Gay Hendricks's Conscious Breathing, most people have a breathing disorder. And we ourselves, when we get into a state of stress, also have breathing disorders. And we, so we have to bring our body back into that parasympathetic state that um, you have to do consciously and create some conscious effort throughout your day to remind yourself how to breathe properly. Otherwise, we lose that. I mean, I could talk hours on breathing and what the benefits are, but for the purpose of this case, it was mainly for her to get out of fight or flight, which she very much was in, to get out of over facilitating of the neck region or the accessory muscles or secondary breathing muscles, which she doesn't want to be using all the time because that stresses the neck and could cause forward head posture. Okay, so what was the nuts and bolts to her her neck pain? Most likely, it was the distortion um, that she had in her upper cervical. Most likely, it was the chronic tension in her neck from breathing incorrectly. So what I did was I taught her how to breathe in a supine position. And I said to her how important and the means of breathing correctly were based off of this practice and that she'd be conscious about it. So then there lies the homework. So doing this homework every night before she goes to bed to reset this this breathing pattern for the next eight hours is going to be really important for her to hold this. And so she got there. She understood it. 
very important that they understand the correct way to breathe and that they leave there with knowing how to do that. So teaching it, getting there is one thing, but it's a really important that you as a practitioner make sure that they've got it enough, that they understand it fully so that when they leave you, they can continue their homework on a daily basis till the next time you see they see you, which can be in two days, can be three days, can be in a week, however long, but people are busy. And so we, I want to make sure for my own security that she understands the value of this work. And so my point is, is that we educate them on that, that we educate the value of this work. So also, you seem like you really know what you're talking about. And then I explain the integration about how the pelvis was distorted, which causes the L5 to rotate, which which connects with the C1, which then distorts that and will distort the cranium as well. Still trying to find the root cause, I said. I don't know if this happened in the head and neck first. I don't know if this happened to the pelvis. But I know that with with about, we spent about an hour and a half, I was able to find it. And so let me continue. So I educated the breathing. I did all the correction work, which in a child, it doesn't take very long, you know, because they don't have um, years and years of refacilitating old patterns. Thank goodness. Um, So within a no time at all, we were able to correct her, put her back in her position. And so then I did some exercises that required stability. Then I did exercises that required stability with breath. So we breathe. We innervate, we innervate, we activate the uh, mobilization of the diaphragm. We then pull in the, the transverse abdominis, then ha- that helps stabilize the lumbopelvic region. All that's really important. So creating that for her. And then with a the child, it's just really, for me, it's about letting her play and exercises to create that refacilitation with breath. And so that we were, we were successful with doing that. Um, so having conversations with her mother about diet, because diet's really important as well, because diet can create inflammation within organs and glands if that particular food item doesn't really feel good to her. And so I said, do you have any issues with any foods that you eat? She said, yes, she does get a stomach ache. So that's really important for me to know as well. So I went on to then educate the importance not to get crazy in there, but crazy enough to say your diet is going to influence the musculoskeletal, which is going to influence the stabilization. Because if you're eating foods that aren't aren't, um, that your body doesn't agree with, it's going to create inflammation and it's going to shut down the musculoskeletal region, which is going to inhibit your ability to stabilize. And so that's really important for an athlete because she is an athlete to know that when she's carrying on with, um, sports and, um, for her, she was a cheerleader for her to carry on with all the activity that she's doing, which is quite a bit. She needs to understand that diet is something that she's going to have to make the choice. I'm not there to make her not eat certain things, but for her to make the conscious effort to say, Hmm, that's probably not the best thing to me for me to eat. And I know if I don't want to have neck pain anymore, then I need to probably look at decreasing that. So I'm just throwing little tidbits out there for her to make the ultimate decision. Now, does everyone make those decisions quickly and change? No, not necessarily. And sometimes 
Sometimes, maybe more than sometimes, people actually need to be in pain. So that's for us. And that was a oh, that was a long journey for me to um, get a hold of, because for me as a practitioner, I was so attached to people getting better. Because if they didn't get better, then it was a result as on me not being a very good practitioner. Over time, many years, it. Um, through my own practice of understanding, I did had to learn the lesson of detaching that sometimes people need to go through that pain and make that own their own decision. And there's really nothing I can do but support them, have compassion for them and educate them. And at the end of the day, now when clients say, you're not going to, you know, you're not going to tell me to stop drinking wine, are you? Or you're not going to tell me to stop eating gluten. You're not going to tell me to stop eating dairy. I'm going to say, no, it's not my job to do that. My job is to say, if you choose, because we all have free will, we all have free will and choice these days. If you choose to do it, I'm not going to be upset about it. What I'm going to tell you is, here's what's going to happen in your body if you choose to do it. Now, everybody has their own reasons, and lots of times there's a, mental, there, there's a mental and there's a strong emotional attachment when it comes to food as to why people do the things they do. And that's when, you know, sometimes working with uh, clients, we end up going down the road of mental emotional coaching because that becomes the source of why they're doing the things they are physically to cause the pain in their body. So that's a whole nother route that I love in my practice that I do. But sometimes people don't feel comfortable coaching mentally, emotional. So we deal with the physical and there's nothing wrong with dealing with the physical because physical can create changes. Okay. So with her, as I was educating her mother, as I was educating the daughter on the sequence of what I did, why it was causing her pain, what was the, the nuts and bolts to this, um, as she was doing her playful little exercises, incorporating breath in these exercises to refacilitate and hold the new alignment, um, which is really important to do, um, I was talking to her mother and then I saw the root cause the child got down on the floor and she sat on the floor and was was just kind of hanging out and listening to me. And she w- began to sit in a, a um, position on the floor that indicated why she had the flexion disorder to begin with. And this is I, this doesn't always happen, I will say. I was very lucky. Um, and I said to her, I said, and, and you guys, I, there's no, you don't have a video and I don't have a picture to show you. But if you can visualize, especially if I have kids, because I saw my daughter do this many, many times. They sit in a W, if you know what that means. They, they internally rotate, their knees are in front and their ankles are out to the side laterally and back. And we always say crisscross applesauce, meaning pull your feet in front and, cro- and crisscross in the front. Well, she did this on one side, this child, and she did it on the side that had the, the too much flexion in her pelvis. She didn't do it on the left side. So I immediately saw that and I said, do you always sit like that? And she says, no, just sometimes. And I said, well, my guess is that you have been doing this for a long time, probably when you were littler. And I, my, my opinion is that this is what caused this issue from the very beginning. Um, 
And so only because I know that it had been there for a very long time and because it was more flexed and I know that that particular internal rotation sitting on the floor causes that. Why do I know that? Because my daughter did it. And I was constantly a thousand times a day saying crisscross applesauce, pull your feet in front, cross in front. So I had her stand up and I, luckily she didn't, she didn't go back out, but I said, if you do this, if you continue to sit like this, it's going to throw your pelvis out. It's going to throw your L5 out. It's going to then take lead into your C1 and it's going to throw your, all your cranial bones out. So I need you to try to sit with your feet in front. If you do sit like that on the floor, which she said she would. And, um, now that I, now that now her mother's like, well, she, is she going to need to come back? Is she, is the, is this going to go out? And I said, no, it's not if she doesn't do it. And so that's a lot of motivation because I wasn't that close for her to mom, for her mom have to drive all the way to my clinic. Um, so obviously her mom's got value to not have to drive and see me, um, and take all probably half a day to do this. So there's motivation on mom and the daughter doesn't want to be in neck pain. So she's got motivation to not do it either, either not to do it as, as well. So educating, going back to, I said, we're done. She's back in balance. She's been refacilitated, making sure that you understand. And so I asked the daughter questions about what she understood about that hour and a half that we had. I told her, what was your homework? What will you do every day? What are some things that you will practice and be mindful of? And again, the homework is five minutes, five minutes every night, practice her breathing, practice integration with her transverse abdominis. That's it. That's all she has to do. And that, those tiny little things, oh, and basically not sit like that. Um, Not hard to do, not too much homework, because remember, learning from my own experience, if you give somebody too much homework, um, people are busy. And that is not, and I already know a child is ADD. She's just as ADD as myself. So um, going through my own pain and knowing how much I, my own uh, ability to change and having kids myself know that they're, they're not good at doing homework. They don't like homework, do they? So, but luckily I have a, a mother for support system there. So re-educating her, she reiterated back what she needed to do, how to do it correctly. We talked about playing on a Swiss ball to keep her strong, to have her transverse turned on because it'll always turn on under stability measures or, or being obviously being on a Swiss ball turns the stabilization system on. And so that's really going to be important for her to maintain this new balance this new alignment, um, this new alignment with structure that's ultimately going to make her feel a lot better. So that's really all I wanted to share today. Um, I, it just happened last week and I thought, wow, what a great session and what a great um, session from the standpoint of A, just for me, um, learning a little bit more. Every time we get a client, we learn a little bit more. I was grateful to have spent enough time with her to watch her and to notice um, what patterns of movement can cause dysfunction. And that's only because when you're in the industry long enough, you pick up these things very quickly. And, you know, and that's one of the issues I have with students the most is they want to know it all and they want to be able to do it perfectly. But the point is that 
you can't do that. The experience that you have every day working with clients is the ability to, to learn more and more and get um, more experience with bodies. More experience with bodies meaning just because one body or one client has a dysfunction and another client comes in with the same dysfunction, it does not mean that you would do the same protocol. So that, which is what's fun for us because life would be boring if we had to do the same thing every day. There are a tremendous amount of influences within the body that create distortions. And so it's not always about the physical. And if you're beyond the physical that you know, there's a mental emotional aspect to dysfunctions. And, you know, later down the road, I would love to talk about what those are. Uh, there's also an organ and glandular reflexive pattern that goes on that's really important for our um, ability to respect that. What does that mean? It means that if we understand that organs are have preferential treatment, in other words, the organs came here first, and then the musculoskeletal system did. So if an organ or gland is upset, it's going to reflex into the, on that same track. The um, musculoskeletal system that reflexes to those organs, inhibition. Inhibition, what does that mean? Not as strong. And so it's going to be weaker. And so if we have a client who is athletic or who's in sports or who is very active, we have to relay that there could be um, weakness and we have to respect that weakness, which which may mean that we take a break, may mean we, do, we don't work as hard. Um, and so, or it may mean that if we can... Um, go around that and not have to have inflammation, which in some instances, well, a lot of instances we can. Uh, what do I mean by that? Well, if you've got a woman who has a period or uh, a little girl who's about to start her period, who's hormonal, those hormones, that's not something that you can change within her. She's going to have a period in her month that she's going to have swelling and that's going to cause inhibition and she has to listen to her body and take a break. Now, if there's inhibition as it relates to inflammation and organs and glands as it relates to what we eat, then that's just about changing what we eat. And that will, I'm not saying that's easy, but that is something that we can change. And that means that maybe we need to avoid eating gluten and dairy. Maybe it does mean that we avoid eating uh, genetically modified foods or processed foods. Um, so that will be up to, that's a whole nother list of education that we either undergo ourselves, experience ourselves, or refer out. That would be my next point, is that if some of you don't feel comfortable dealing with those kinds of issues because you just don't feel educated or knowledge enough, refer out to someone who does know. Um, you know, now we have the ability to video conference and Skype. Um, so that's power. That's a powerful tool. And those types of referring out don't require to be in-person type coaching anymore. So you don't necessarily have to have someone in your region that knows that information. As long as you know somebody that is somewhere in your universe that is educated enough to do mental, emotional, or educated enough to do nutritional, um, then you can refer to those people. I do that 
all the time. I work with video conference clients that are out of the state or out of the country um, as, as a means of referral from Czech practitioners that I teach that aren't necessarily ready to do that kind of work, which is absolutely fine. So case in point, education. What One of the things when I say education, I want to support that with is when I got done telling this mother everything that was going on with her child and how it integrated and how it was really important that we work the above just as much with, with the below and the below with this, as much as the above. And that just because she was in neck pain, it didn't mean that the root was in the neck. Okay, that's really important because we're only as strong as our weakest link. So her weakest link was in her neck. Now, I supported knowing that because I asked her, and this this is I'm gonna I would love to do a podcast and hopefully I do it in the future very soon, but what's so important about the mother archetype? The mother is so important. So I asked the, to validate weakness weakness in the neck. I said, Did you breastfeed this child? And she said, no. She said, very, very little. Probably, you know, I could just say no. Well, if there's no breastfeeding within the child, then you have the the TMJ, which is the weakest joint. It's what we call the glass jaw within boxers. If there's no breastfeeding, then that TMJ didn't get the solidification or the strength that it needed through the process of breastfeeding. That's what it does. It strengthens that joint. And so then we also don't get the strength within our neck um, through the process of breastfeeding. So that told me that she was going to be very weak in her um, uh, head and neck and jaw region, which led me to believe because she's an athlete, her lumbopelvic was probably going to be stronger. So it could take a little torsion and still handle it, but the neck could not. Because the one avenue of strength that we get is that time period of the uh, through birth to one years old, that breastfeeding strength, strength in that head and neck. And 35% of people that don't get breastfed have TMJ issues and will always have weakness in the neck region. So that's how I knew. That is only comes through my own education of teaching infant development and understanding what infant development does for the human being, what dysfunctions I would see in a child, an adolescent, um, as a uh, an adult. Always kind of goes back to the infant development process, and so that that education. Um, showed me that. And I explained that to the mother, not to create guilt for the mother, but to create understanding. Because for me, I wanted her to understand how I knew that. It wasn't just a guess, but I actually teach this stuff and I actually educate. And I've got several references that um, support this. So um, one of the things that she created closure with was, and this is why I'm doing this podcast, and these are the comments that you get, is she said, you know, we've been to doctors, we've been to physical therapists, we've been to chiropractors, massage therapists, nobody has ever explained what's wrong with her quite like you have. And no one ever said anything about breathing. No one ever said anything about, you said the, the neck correlates with the, the lumbopelvic. Like no, no one ever said anything like that to us. Um, this was an amazing experience. And she was extremely grateful that um, she was able to connect with me and get help for her daughter. Now, 
on a tangent, sort of side note, kind of applies, kind of doesn't, but she, and this is what happens. She said, let me just talk about my other daughter who um, has tremendous amount of anxiety. Well, if you understand the breathing disorder and you understand what happens if you don't breathe right, it all makes a lot of sense. Now, um, her daughter has her youngest who came to see me had a breathing disorder. What are the chances that the middle daughter has a breathing disorder? Uh, pretty high. Um, mother said she breathed horribly and probably had a breathing dysfunction. Uh, what are the chances that the kids have breathing disorders? Cause it's the power of the mother or the power of the mother archetype. So, Talking about that later, but just as this, just to solidify this side note, if you have a breathing dysfunction, and I already said that it can over facilitate the upper accessory muscles of the head and neck, but it also can put you in a fight or flight state. Fight or flight is overly sympathetic. What's overly sympathetic? High respiration, high heart rate not parasympathetic, in other words. So not parasympathetic, meaning rest and relaxation. So not to go too deep into this, because I could probably talk for another half hour on it. But if somebody is breathing high, high heart rate, high respiration, sympathetic fight or flight, they are already in a sympathetic mode. And if they go into an experience that then creates more stress on top of an already stressed system because they're not breathing right, there's going to be, then anxiety will take place. Okay. That, so I said to her, I said to her mother, I said, chances are she probably breathes incorrectly as well. And she said, yes, she does. And I said, what you can do to help her is you could have her do the same thing that I just had your youngest do, and that is start breathing diaphragmatically to bring her state of balance of parasympathetic and sympathetic to a more equilibrium state, a more balanced state, because she is always in fight or flight right now with that breathing pattern. And if she runs, if she can bring it down, Bring it brown with diaphragmatic breathing because that's what it does. It brings it down to a, a more calm state than the next time she experiences or goes into a stressful pattern of external stress, she will be more calm about it. She will be at a better place to deal with those external stresses because when you're not breathing diaphragmatically, you have internal stress going on. And I won't explain the mechanism behind that, but you'll, that in, if you have upper respiratory and you have internal, uh, internal stress, any external stress that you go in contact with will create a reaction, not a response. There's a difference. Okay. And all y'all know the difference. So you know when people react, you know when you've been around people who are like, completely dramatic, completely crazy about a situation that you probably sit there and go, what's the big deal? I, I don't get it. Why are you so crazy about this? Why are you so dramatic? Well, they probably don't have a good breathing pattern. Okay. And those of you that may do, 
you're able to deal with that external stress a little differently. Like, okay, there's a solution. We can create solutions. People that can create solutions are operating in a more balanced state slash right, right brain state of mind. People who are overly sympathetic only deal in the left brain. And can the left brain be creative with solving problems, problem solve, solve problems with novel ideas? No, they can't because when you're left brain dominant, you can only think about creating a solution with the solutions that you've already done before. People who are more right brain, more balanced can actually come up with a solution they've never thought of before or an idea they've never thought of before because they're acting in the right brain, because they're able to be more creative. Okay. So, so what I just said to you is, that breathing functionally, meaning breathing diaphragmatically, meaning mobilize the diaphragm, can create right and left brain integration, which allows you to be more balanced, which allows you to think more creatively about solving problems. And um, when I talk to and I, well, when I work with executives or um, people, business owners, this is one of the educational tools that I offer them as far as here's the work we're going to do. Well, yeah, we're going to do some great exercises. Yeah, we're going to get your body in balance. Yeah, we're going to create flexibility, stability, and strength. But I'm also going to help you be a better businessman because you're going to be able to think of really cool solutions that you probably not had thought of before because now I'm bringing you more to a balanced state. And so anyway, so that would be the same information though applied specifically to another another case. But I wanted to share that with you because again, the point of the podcast is to tell you that in order for our clients, and this means more importantly, new clients, to trust you, to believe that you're worth the rates that you are, which is really important because if you want to raise your rates, you got to create value. And the only way that people um, are willing to pay more is if they perceive a value. Think about that. And, I, and ever since I learned that rule, I forget for some business book I read, but every time, ever since I heard that, I always think about myself and when rates are being raised, I'm always thinking, well, first of all, I'm really frustrated about that rate hike, but do I feel like there's a value to what I want to purchase enough for me to pay the higher rate? And if I don't, and it's because no, I don't believe that surface offers enough value for me to pay that much more. Um, so for, for us as practitioners, we always deal with that ugh, not so fun aspect of what we do, which is, you know, why we want to raise our rates. And uh, if you remember the podcast with Jator, it was all that all goes back to perception of value in your own self. So first you have to value yourself. And if you value yourself enough that, yeah, I just spent $3,000 going to this course with Ashley. I just spent all this time. And now I feel like I understand the information, can educate my clients better, more efficiently, and that should have a value on it, which validates um, a tiny rate hike. And if you've done your job expressing that to your clients, then there's no reason why they would argue that at all. But it goes back to you being able to communicate that. And the, re- and the other reason I say this, I just got back from Toronto teaching, and one of the things that one of the, several of the Um, practitioners were talking about is that same issue. And when I heard them communicate 
um, exercises and questions about exercises, my biggest red flag was it's important that when you go to talk about this exercise that you know it well enough that you're able to dissect all the means and importance of it and relate it back to the client, not just general application of the exercise, but how does the client benefit it? It's all about them. How are they going to prosper from your education and your understanding about certain assessments? Because that's a big issue that people don't want to take the time to assess. Well, let them know how they're going to benefit it from it. What's the value in it for them? And then once they see the value, then you say, what do you think? You want to, you want to do the assessment and get their feedback so that they, A, you learn something about what triggers them as, as what's important. And then you're able to then restructure the words or rephrase it in a different way. Or, you know, maybe in the beginning, like when I started, first started doing my education as a practitioner, I offered it, I offered it free because I wasn't able to create the value yet with my words because I didn't understand um, the best words to use. And that takes experience. Okay. So I went on several different tangents, um, but I do feel like everything that we talked about is super important to A, uh, helping your practice be better, helping you be a better personal trainer or practitioner, um, and then also helping you help people be better. Because really at the end of the day, that's why we're in this business is we really want to help people. And, and so I hope you enjoyed it. Obviously, um, I know I always say it, you can always, uh, ask questions, um, personally to me, I know I always say maxstormcoaching.com, go there, eh, put your comments and questions, but you know what, today I'm going to put out my own personal email. And, um, if you have any questions for me, if you have any comments for me, if you like, hey, listen, loved what you talked about, but hey, can you expand on blah, 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 um, you can always reach me at Ashley, A-S-H-L-E-Y, at balanced, B-A-L-A-N-C-E-D, and then B-O-D, BOD, balancedbod.com is my personal email that I want to put out there um, so that I can receive any comments or questions, um, specifically how uh, you would want more further information. You know, years and years ago, for me, it's about the masses. So I don't typically uh, won't respond one-on-one because I feel like if you have a question or a comment, now, I don't care about comments. I love comments. But if you have a question and you need help, chances are they're about five or 10 or 50 or 100 more people have the same exact uh, question. So it's all about helping more people. So not only will I answer your question and help you, but I put it on this podcast and I will help hopefully a lot more people that have been thinking about that. Um, so I appreciate any of that if you want to take the time and your energy, um, because for me, it's all about helping. It's all about educating. And so I welcome that. And I hope you guys have a fantastic rest of your day. And because I love being productive in my day, I hope you have a very productive day. I'll see you next. Well, I'll see you. I'll talk to you next time. Thank you for listening to the Max Storm Business Coaching Podcast. Please subscribe to the show on iTunes, 